0: Hey, it's gonna be back. Right. Fun. Thank you. Thanks. Just smattering. Not really. Who cares, Lance? We don't. Really <laughs> no, I, I would say thank you so much. We got Polly and I got to go to the Foursquare convention this last week. That's where we were. If you were here last week and we were here, um, it was a lot of fun. We let me tell you this: you guys, we are so blessed to be involved with a denomination called Foursquare. Uh, you you heard Carrie talk about it last week, didn't she? Do an amazing job. Little bit. Come on, right? It's awesome. But we have a denomination that uh, that I believe, that there's a lot of denominations that kind of stick themselves into a place and say, this is our rut, we're not moving. I love Foursquare because they're saying, what's God doing today? Let's find out and let's go do that. I love that. Foursquare, four uh, so often denominations want to make themselves bigger and bigger and bigger at the corporate level. The crazy thing is with our denomination, it's trying to make itself smaller and smaller at the corporate level so more of the resources can be brought to the local church to reach the world. That's an awesome thing. You guys really have no idea how amazing that is for us to be resourced by the denomination when they come up to us and they don't just slap you on the hiney and say, go get them, slugger, which happens in the past. Now you know what they're saying? What can we do to help you, slugger? How can we help you walk this thing out? We're fortunate, Amen. Hey, also, uh, my wife and I got to stay a few days longer. The conference was in Hawaii. It was hard. <laughs> it's rough. So we stayed a few days longer. It was pretty awesome. My uh, my kids, all three grown kids, uh, came to visit us. Uh, the, the The great thing was is they all kind of came at different intervals, so there was only two of them at a time there, and it was I'm telling you, what, it was a blast. We got to spend like one day at peace with each of them, and. Um, it's fun. You know, the, the coolest thing about like adult kids vac- vacationing with them, because we haven't done that before, but vacationing with adult kids, you know, it's like my son was like, Dad, I'll pay for half of that. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> Everything inside of me was like, No, no, I'll pay for that. You know, I'm the dad, you know, and then I kept on hearing this little voice inside me saying, No, he wants to be a man. Let him know like, that. You're a man. Knock yourself out, you know? So. And the coolest part, the coolest part were my daughters, right? When they got to come together, the last couple of days we were there, they were hanging out, having all kinds of fun. And then they said to Mom and I, Polly and I, hey, listen, we want to go shopping. And I said, your money, awesome, shop on. And they were like, what? I said, no, spend, 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 all you want to. You have to respond to your husband as to what you spent, and you got to look at your own bank account. This is awesome. <laughs> And they're like, can mom come with us? <laughs> mom and I are standing right here. It was, let me tell you what. Vacation with your adult kids, it's way cheaper. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, amen. Some of you are like, I got a ways. <laughs> no, it's awesome. We were we really blessed and refreshed. And I did have some meetings um, out in the ocean. I had a meeting. It was with another pastor. We were out in the middle of the water talking. It was awesome. Somebody asked me last night, did, did you go deeper? I said, yeah. <laughs> ah, geez. Yeah, I mean. Hey, listen, this, uh, this last week, um, we got to see on TV uh, Muhammad Ali's funeral service. Some of you got to see it, some of you didn't. But it was like, uh, it wasn't just nationwide. I think it was like worldwide. Muhammad Ali, you know, being able to uh, celebrate, you know, one of the greatest athletes of our time. You know, in watching that, you know, it's it's always amazing to me as one who actually performs memorial services at how much personal, uh, I don't know, platform can be taken when trying to eulogize somebody who was special. In other words, uh, Malcolm X's daughter was there, and so I forgot her name, but but she she got up to talk, and, and, and she did talk about Muhammad Ali and how she was connected to him and how, he was like a father and all that stuff. All that was really great. But then it was like there was this moment where she was like, but listen, you guys, basically she said, hey, all of you, pick a, pick a walk with God. Pick a religion. Pick anything you want because all roads lead to God. Just pick your path. Pick your path. It could be any path you want. Just any, anyone. Just pick it. All roads lead to God. And the crowd erupted. Yay. Just pick your path to God, because all roads lead to God. See, it's a weird opinion, because that's the culture we live in. Funny thing is, this is not the first time culture's done that. Culture's been doing that for a long time. But this opinion was dropped. Somebody's saying this is what it is, and because there was an opinion dropped, and no substantiation with truth at all, and somebody might say, Well, Lance, your opinion is this because the Bible says this. Let me tell you this we've talked about this many times the truth and the provability and the historicity of the Bible and how it is that it is what it is and it is true. And it doesn't say that. It doesn't say all roads lead to God, it says there's one way to God. But you see, opinions are applauded, opinions get thrown out. Opin- Everybody's got an opinion today, don't they? we got an opinion about everything. Man, we got an opinion about politics, especially today. Crazy, right? It, I could probably corner all of you and you all have a different opinion on politics and what it is, right? The thing that's so weird for me in, in watching all of the crazy mudslinging that's going on, in the middle of all the she did, he did, he, all that's going on and on and on, I forgot what they're standing for. Come on, I mean, some of it's like, okay, wait, 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 you're really worried about her, and you're really worried about him, and, but what is it that you actually were standing on? Like, there's so much mudslinging, but opinions just fly all over the place. There's opinions on fashion, right? My little girl, my youngest daughter, she works in the hair industry, and so she's all about fashion, clearly comes up to me and says, Dad, that ain't working. You know, Dad, that's not working, right? So she tells me often, which is awesome, but, but there, the thing that's funny about fashion, this is hilarious, Fashion, because she's kind of on that cutting edge where people are doing hair and all that business. So fashion's kind of funny because what makes fashion? What makes fashion is is one person says, I don't want to look like everyone else. So they try something weird and outlandish or something different, right? They just try something different because they don't want to look like everybody else. And everyone says, whoever that person is, that's fashion, right? Remember in the 80s, all of us guys, maybe some gals, you wore a baseball cap and you bent the rim down a little bit? Right Today, flatness. right? Bend the rim of your hat already. I'm <laughs> kidding. But the funny thing is, is like, here's what fashion is. Fashion is like somebody deciding they want to be different. Then everybody follows them, and they're not different. Everyone's the same until someone tries to do something different. Because someone's opinion ends up swaying the whole crowd. Opinions on food. Everyone's got opinions on food. There'll be one expert who will stand up and say things like, hey, eat this because it will, it will help your life be longer. And then somebody else comes out and says, eat this because it will stop cancer from your life. And somebody else says, no, if you eat that thing, it'll cause cancer in your life. And you're like, who? I always tell myself when watching those kind of opinions, get long, look for the money. Find out who's backing those opinions. Oftentimes, that's why they say what they say. Sometimes it's true. But come on, follow the money. And you'll find out someone's opinion for real. Opinions. Everyone seems to have opinions. We're in the middle of our, we're actually finishing up our series called Take Note of This, where we've really been spending some time trying to to unpack what it is that uh, Paul was trying to say to the Colossian church about a group of people who had been trapped in opinions. These guys were people who who had opinions about how to be mature in Christ. These guys were people who had opinions on what to do to become super spiritual. These guys had opinions on what you were supposed to do to maintain your spiritual integrity by doing this and doing that. Paul writes this letter in response to a bunch of people who were believers, people who followed Jesus, but didn't just leave it there. They started to say to themselves in their version of Christianity, Jesus is good, but Jesus plus activity will be better. Uh, Kari spelled it out really great last week in terms of how she described the history of what was going on in Colossae. Paul writes this, and, and I love what Paul's response basically is. Guys, would you just stop this? Stop adding stuff to the message and just get back to Jesus. Church, if there's one thing our world needs, if there's one thing the church needs, we've got to get back to Jesus. The book of Colossians was written to church people. It was written to a church, telling church people, stop it. If you believe it, then start living it. Stop trying to add stuff to make yourself look spiritually elite. And we're funny because we think of ourselves, well, we're completely immune from that because clearly we don't think like that. Until you look around the room and you realize that person, they have a super spirituality about them because they, you can fill in the blank. Or, or, wow, they do this and therefore I'm not spiritual enough because I don't do, I don't, I wished I would because then I would be over and over again. In fact, it's funny because not only in in our church, but we do this comparing ourselves to other churches. We say things like, you know, we're spirit filled. They're clearly not. Could there be any more arrogant statement? Bible says you can't even be saved unless you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. How we say it, let me tell you this, how we say it isn't the truth. If you want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, don't do it that way. Talk about it differently. But the truth is, when we run around saying it, we're hurting people more than we're helping people. And we separate ourselves, and we become what the Colossian church was doing, raising ourselves up above each other and saying, I'm better, you're better, you're not, I am, you are, whatever. Just getting crazy. Today, I want to talk to you about what happens when you begin to take the steps that we've been talking about over these last four weeks in the book of Colossians. You have your Bible, open it up to Colossians if you could. I want to talk to you about getting back to Jesus. Getting back to Jesus, just getting back to Jesus. You know, some of you need to get back to Jesus. S- some of you here today. Need to get back to Jesus. Some of you here today are wondering, how did I end up at church today? You know, you might think to yourself, like you woke up and thought, all right, God, I'll just tune in one more time. I'll just show up one more time. God, you know, I'll just go ahead and placate people around me. They'll think I'm doing all right, but on the inside, I'm not doing all right. And maybe that's you today, and you're here, and you're just like feeling really not all right, but you're smiling on the outside and just in trouble on the inside. Maybe that's you this morning. And you, let me tell you this you need to get back to Jesus. We all do. I'm telling you, you need to get back to Jesus. I don't know where you are with your walk with God, but you need to get back to Jesus. Maybe you're here today, and it's been a long time, and you have felt separated from Jesus. You have felt as if you were um, coming home for Thanksgiving dinner, but you can't get in the door. Everyone else inside is eating, warm by the fire, enjoying themselves, and you're on the outside looking in, trying to see, but you can't get in. Maybe that's how you feel today. I'm telling you, it's not about just getting into the house. It's about getting to Jesus. Some of you feel like you're on the outside looking in this morning. I'll tell you, you've got to get back to Jesus. Paul makes it so simple and he says, stop trying to add to the mess. Just get back to Jesus. Mm. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to get back to him. Maybe you're here this morning and you've developed opinions on how to get back to Jesus. You have opinions that if you... Uh, if you wake up in the morning and you have five minutes of this and you ten minutes of that and then you you pray the Lord's Prayer and then you uh, you have communion and then you that, that that's the thing that's going to get you back to Jesus. And so you religiously do that thing over and over again and over and over again, all of which some of those things aren't bad. But the truth is, it's not the checking of the boxes that's going to get you back to Jesus. Sometimes we think it'd be great. You, you know, you know, we, you know why we do that, don't you? We, why we want to come up with the box checking, rule making, list drawing. Why we want to do that? It's just like the Old Testament. We want rules because when you have rules, you don't need relationship. That, that, remember, that was the whole point. Remember the, the children of Israel were like, hey, hey, we need a king. Or, we, or basically, we, we, need, uh, we want to get to you, God, but we don't want relationship. We're tired of this prophecy people showing up and having a prophet tell us that you're mad at us. So God, I'll tell you what, let's just do away with this whole prophet thing. And why don't you just give us rules on how to get to you, on how to have a relationship with you. And we bumped into the Ten Commandments, right? And I feel like God was saying, like, you want rules? Here you go. How's that working? Because we're not doing well in the Ten Commandments, trust me. Start with number one, (laughs) We can't. The point of the Ten Commandments was to tell us you can't do it by working for it. By, by showing up and doing all the little box checking, you're not going to get it. Listen, returning to Jesus is you simply saying, I'm a mess and I need you a lot. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about how to get back to Jesus. And, and I love that. Over, we've been talking about this, getting back to Jesus. The first thing we needed to do is to, to, to come back to our foundation. Colossians 1.23 says this. But you don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded, steady in the bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There's no other message; just this one. Every creature under heaven gets the same message. I Paul am a messenger. Paul lays out in that little teeny verse, in that all of Scripture. There's one thing right here. Paul lays out how to get back to Jesus. He says, number one, rebuild your foundation. In other words, go back to who Jesus is at square one. I am a sinner, Jesus is not. I make messes, Jesus cleaned them up. I am hopeless, he gives me hope. Go back to the very beginning and hang on to that foundation. Number two, reestablish your trust. If you wanna get back to Jesus, reestablish your trust. We talked about the trust muscles. How do you reestablish your trust? How do you reestablish trust? You You know how you do it? You do something that requires you to trust. Amen. Let's go home. How do you have faith? You step out into something that requires you to, well, have faith. How do you have trust? Do something that requires trust. Some of you are saying to yourself like, yeah, yeah, Lance, I'm only going to trust Jesus. I'm only going to trust God as far as I can see. That nullifies the whole version of trust, right? Trust is something believing in some something you believing in something you can't see, but someone who you know does. That's why we do this tithing thing. I love tithing. I love it about it because the whole tithing thing. You know why I love tithing so much? It's because it's just hard. It's just hard. And every time I tithe, every time I get paid, I get this moment of like. Ugh. Every one of us, you know, at some point, hopefully you're just a cheerful giver and it doesn't even bother you, but the idea, right? Trusting, you've got to build your trust muscles and over time it'll get a little easier. But the truth is, some of you are not trusting. You haven't built your foundation, you're not trusting. Number three, you're not tuning in to the message of Christ. What does that mean? You're like paying attention to what it is that Jesus is all about. And like Carr said last week, not to be distracted or diverted. Not to be distracted or diverted. To spend time saying, God, you are what I am focusing on and not allowing the distractions of the world to pull me away. I love what Kari said about her sister, you know, having sickness versus hunger, right? What, what a great point, the, the idea of sickness versus hunger, because this is, sometimes we, we get so hungry, but we don't realize it and all we do is feeling sick. So some of us just, we have to come back to the idea of saying, God, I'm being so distracted by what I feel like is sick and I just need to be hungry for you. And the only thing I can be satisfied with hunger, get this, food. Write that down. How do you satisfy hunger? Feed it. That's exactly what the thing is. How, how do you satisfy spiritual hunger? Feed it. Step out in trust. Step out in faith. Feed it. Because what you feed grows, but what you starve dies. I had a really good time away in Hawaii. Did I tell you that? <laughs> Paul tells us in that chapter how to get back to Jesus. I love it today. I want to spend a little rest of our time talking about this. Once you get back to Jesus, what can you expect from it? In other words, if you've done all the things and you're like, hey, look, I have a foundation. I really do trust. And, you know, I am tuned into the message and I'm doing my best not to be distracted. Good for you. But what happens? What's the the byproduct of all of that? I love this, the byproduct of doing those four things, of remaining in your foundation, establishing truth, building on the message and listening carefully, not being distracted, the the, the proof in the pudding. What happens when that happens? What can you expect in a life? You know what it is? It says in Colossians chapter two, right here, chapter two, verse two, in the message translation, says this, I want you woven into a tapestry of love, in touch with everything there is to know about God, Then you'll have minds that are confident and at rest and focused on Jesus. God's great mystery, all the riches, all of the riches, all of the richest treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embedded in this mystery. Nowhere else. We've been shown the mystery. I'm telling you this because I don't want anyone else to lead you off on some wild goose chase chase after some other so-called mysteries or secrets. And you'll notice that Paul specifically throws out the word mystery four times here. And in the book of Ephesians, he actually throws it out six times. Ephesians was being written at the same time, same prison cell, same neighboring cities. But why does he use the word mystery? Why is Paul throwing it out there? I think, honestly, Paul's throwing it out there because he's got his tongue firmly stuck in his cheek. and it, Because what was happening is that in the church of Colossae, they were saying... Oh, you need to go to God. It's mysterious. There's a mystery. Because you're clearly not where you're supposed to be, but step into the mysteries. Here's how you do that. Eat food that was sacrificed to idols. Here's how you do the mysteries. Worship angels, because that will, you'll understand the deep mysteries. And Paul's like, look, stop it. That's not important. You want to know the real mystery of God? Get back to Jesus. I think Paul was just making fun of their issue he was telling them, guys, listen, it's a joke. Stop doing what you're doing. Stop letting your opinions rule you. And get back to what you know is true. Because the devil is in the opinions, I'm telling you. Get back to what is truth. What can you expect? I love what Paul says. Here's what you can expect when you walk out this coming back to Jesus thing. I love it. He says you can expect three things. Confidence, peace, and focus on Jesus. Confidence, peace, and And focus on Jesus. How many want that? Come on. Confidence, peace, and focus on Jesus. Most of us live insecure, (laughs) fearful, and focused on ourselves. Confidence, peace, and focus on Jesus. That's what happens when you begin to walk out that foundation, coming back to Jesus. You, so how do you know if you have that coming back to Jesus moment happening? You know what would happen in your life? You'd be confident. You'd be at rest and peace. You'd be focused. Your life would be lived for Jesus wherever you are. It wouldn't just be like, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm, he's my footnote. But he's what I live for. While I'm flying that airplane, he is Jesus. I'm doing this for Jesus. While I 'm going to school driving that bus or when I'm teaching that class or when i'm doing that surgery, whatever it is that you do like i'm a I am a Christian doing this thing because i'm focused on jesus that that's the truth confident, peaceful, focused on Jesus. I love it when it says at rest that word at rest means it peaceful isn't that the isn't that the isn't rest like the the driving force behind everything we do everything we do. Is trying to find rest. It's trying to find peace. Everything we do, we want to get more money so we can have peace. We want to go over to this place so we can have peace. We want to have that relationship. Then we can finally have peace. We want this because we just want peace. Can I just tell you this? There's no other way to get it except coming back to Jesus. Everything else is like it's like eating frosting. Frosting is awesome for a while, but too much, eh. Because it's good for a while. But then you can't just eat all the frosting. Sometimes our, what we, we want to do is try to manufacture peace. Because if we can manufacture peace, we don't need relationship. That, that's why we drink, or that's why we take drugs, or that's why we, we run off into relationships that aren't ours. That's why. It's because we're trying to manufacture peace. We're trying to come up with it in some other way, except what he said, which was, just come to me, all you are broken and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Maybe that's what's missing, is that our opinions on how to get there are the, what if your opinions are wrong? What if your opinions on how to get there are wrong? And you've been staking your claim on the fact that if I do this, this, and this, I'm going to get that. And you're just getting super tired. But what if your opinions are wrong? Then what if, maybe we need to go back to Jesus. Maybe we need to get back to who Jesus is. I love Paul when he says here, just like any good leader would, right? So Paul schools them by telling them, listen, if you, want, you need to get back to Jesus by being grounded, by trusting, by, by staying aware of the message, and then also by not getting distracted. Paul schools them. And then he says, now listen, you can, this is what you can get, confidence, peace, and that thing. He says, this is what you can get when you do that. Now, any good leader, Paul goes, now get out of here. Go do it. Amen. that's what he does. Paul, just like any good leader would say, because, you know, I love it. Paul even says this. Look look down in uh, chapter 2, verse 6. This is Paul, like any good leader, just telling him, get on with it. He says this in chapter 2, verse 6. It says down in the middle of the verse, you received Christ Jesus, the master. Now live him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well-constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. Let your living spill over into Thanksgiving. Man, this is so poignant. Quit studying the topic. Quit trying to figure out what the, the to, 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 to try to parse the word foundation. Quit trying to spend time trying to come up with, just start living it. Quit trying to talk about what kind of trust you're supposed to have, and just trust. Just just trust. I I love that. Paul literally says this, to live it. He says, just live it. You want to know Jesus? Just start living out what you know to be true. I love this. Paul writes, to start living it. Literally, he says, just live him. In other words, get your sights focused on him. He says in uh, chapter 2, verse 6, you received Christ. What does receive? Receive means to take to yourself. Also, it means to give yourself. You receive. In other words, the Greek translation actually says to add to oneself or to join oneself to. How do you live him? Over in chapter 3, Paul tells us how. He says this. Since you've been raised to this new life, set your sights on the realities of heaven. I'm reading the New Living Translation here. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ Sits at God's right hand. The place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't think only about the things down here on earth. For you died when Christ died. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. When, when you begin to walk this thing out with Jesus, and you start to have this confidence, pa- Paul says, listen, now go live it. How do we do that? How do you, how do you actually live out this pursuing Jesus? Paul says, Get your eyes off the world and get them on heaven. Remember when I, was, when I was newly walking with Christ, somebody said, hey, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Right? I get that comment. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're so earthly good. Church, I'll level with you. Sometimes we're so heavenly. Sometimes we're just, we're just so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. We, don't, we forget that that's ahead. There's a joy that's set before us. Paul said, for the joy set before him, he endured. Or Paul's talking about Jesus. He endured the cross. See, the problem is is that we forget that we actually have something that we can focus on. It's not about here and now. You realize what you set your sights on is where it is that you're going to go. What you look at, what you study, what you are about is where you're going to be headed. You might not hit it exactly, but you're going to head that direction. What do you, you know, it's funny. I have this uh, Pauline and I moved into this house, and the house has a particularly long, long lawn. I mean, it's long. It takes me three hours to mow. Right? Somebody's like, get a writer. And I'm like, no, I'm tough thinking about getting a writer. No, nevertheless. So it's super long, right? But here's the funny thing about a long lawn. It's kind of bumpy. Mowing straight lines is a drag. And I'm, I'm weird about straight lines. If I walk into your house and there's a crooked mirror, it won't be long before you turn away and I straighten it. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. Sorry, my wife. I'll put the I'll put the remote on the on the coffee table and straighten it up, in my phone and whatever. They're all straight in line. I probably walk up and just hit it, <laughs> like you're messing with me. <laughs> my OCDs, anyway. So like this right? So mowing a straight line is a big deal for me, right? And so you mow one straight line, and I'm like, okay, good. Well, I set the template. I'll just follow that one, right? But in a bumpy lawns, it just still gets all wacky, and I get so mad, and I have to make up for that strip, and I have to go back, and it's like it's yeah. Please tell me you understand. <laughs> Some of you are like, you're on your own, pal, <laughs> right? So you know what I, I decided to do? In fact, I'm going to do it this afternoon when i move mow the lawn. Here's what I'm going to do. You, you do. Here's how you mow a straight line. You focus on something and just start mowing towards it. Literally, you just focus on a rock, focus on the part of the house, whatever. Focus on it and just walk towards it because where you look is where you're going to go. If you're, what are you focused on in your life? Are you focused on the fact that it's just not fair? Are you focused on the fact that you might be exposed because someone's going to realize that you're a fraud? What are you focused on? Are you focused on the fact that it's not fair that someone did this to you or that whatever it is, and you didn't get the job, or you should have been, and they did, but you didn't? And so your focus, it starts to eat you alive, and your worry and fear and anxiety and blah, blah, starts going on. You know what happens? Where it is that you are focused is where it is that you end up going. Paul says focus on the realities of heaven. What does that mean? Angels, all that stuff. Focus on the realities of heaven. You know what that means? Where Jesus is, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Focus on Jesus. Do what Jesus would do. Walk like Jesus would walk. Care like Jesus would care. Paul says, live it. How? By setting your sights on the realities of heaven. In other words, stop looking at stuff here on earth. Because here's the deal on earth, it's not fair. On earth, it won't be justified. On earth, you probably won't have everything that you're thinking you're supposed to have because something's gonna happen because all that always happens. It's not about here. Number two, number two, how do you start living this? I love what he says. Not only set your sights, but number two, do what you've been taught. Colossians 2.7, I love it when he says, you know your way around the faith, now do what you've been taught. Man, if you walk away from this service today with anything, just one thing, Take this with you. Just do what you've been taught. Just do what you've been taught. If you've been taught that God's faithful, then do that. Understand God's faithfulness. In other words, words, when you start to realize that there's all kinds of chaos and craziness going on around the world, and people are saying, yeah, God, you're terrible. At some point, you realize God is faithful because he's been faithful to you, then walk it out. And when somebody else tries to justify their wacky opinion about who God is, but you know he's faithful, walk it out. But it doesn't feel like it. Walk it out. If you realize that God is good because you've been taught God is good, then walk like God is good. If if you've been taught that God is a forgiver, then walk forgiven. If you realize he's a forgiver and he forgave you and you know you're going to heaven, amen. Amen. Then live forgiven. Start living forgiven. What does that mean? It means like to. It means to be free. <laughs> it means to stop looking back. It means to. It means to set other people free. In other words, you've been forgiven. How much more can we forgive? Hmm. Paul says, "Do what you've been taught. Do what you've been taught." It's interesting. I think our church world today. This is going to take this for what it's worth, I think we've been taught to death. I think we've been taught to death. I remember Polly was telling me the other day that when she was a little girl, um, they used to go to church on Sunday morning and then after church they'd have a potluck and then they would be like, go home, take a nap, then come back on Sunday night and then they'd go on Wednesday night and then there'd be like a youth thing on Friday night and they would just have this constant, we spend so much time trying to learn how to be Christians and so little time actually living it out. We spend all of our time trying to learn how to be Christians and and saying, I got to go back to church. I got to go back to church. Let me tell you this. I love the fact that God told us basically to do one thing when he left. I love it. It's just like when you walk out the door when you leave it to the babysitters. You tell the babysitter the most important thing. Here's my cell phone. Don't forget it. Right? Jesus was doing the same thing when he was ascending to heaven. Like he said one last thing. Guys, listen, listen. If you forget everything else, remember this one thing. Listen. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just know I'm always going to be with you. Amen, I'm out. And then he ascends. And they're all, you know what they all did? They all stared at heaven. Until a couple of angels showed up and said, what are you doing? We're just looking at Jesus rising. And he, You know what the angel said? Go do what he just said. You know what we do? Not that. We don't go make disciples of all nations. We make really, really good churchgoers. And then we get mad when people don't attend their church because they should be churchgoers faithfully. Because churchgoers is when you get to heaven, there's going to be stars in heaven on this refrigerator, and I want to get a lot of them. Paul said there were people that used to get like an award for attendance at their church. I don't know. I wouldn't have got one. You know, but Paul said, Jesus said go into all the world and make disciples. Right? Who's, who are you discipling? Paul says, get out there and start living it. Who is it that you're affecting in your life? Who who are you showing how to live closer to Jesus? Who are you saying, follow me as I follow Christ? Is, Is there anyone in your life that you're doing that to? Well, I don't know all the answers, Lance. I don't really know how to do it. Here's the deal. He didn't ask you to know all that you're supposed to do. Remember the Bible says when you get in a situation, you don't know the words, trust the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you what to say when you need it. That's trusting God. How about putting yourself into a position that requires you to actually hear from God? See, the problem is is we don't, and we just want to stay safe and inoculated from all the things that are going on around us. And Paul says, get out there and live it. Go into all the world and make disciples. Just go live it. Do what you've been taught. I love it. when When Paulie and I were first asked to become the pastors at PSCC, there was a really big sign on the exit of both of the doors. I think it was called the church on Monday. Is that right? It said, it said, now go out and do it, or whatever. I forgot what the words were. But it's basically, when you pass underneath this sign, you're entering your mission field. Be a missionary. Who? All of you. But I'm not a full-time missionary. Yes, you are. But I work as a, and you're a missionary. How do I, that, this is not funny, because we don't do, what we've been taught. We just get taught to death, over and over and over. And Paul, I love that Paul didn't even address the heresy that was going on. He didn't spend a lot of time, rather, in trying to address each heresy that was going on. It's like Paul just walked up and, and just like walked between all the heresy who was saying, like, we need to do this and we need to do this and all the opinions. I love it. Paul verbally just does this. Just get out of the way. You know better than this. You said you believed in Jesus. You said you were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now get out there and do it. Doesn't sound like a fun message. I don't think this was supposed to be a fun message. I think this was Paul saying, life's too short. Stop saying you trust God and not trusting God. I love the message because it's hard to read. Because it's looking in the mirror and you don't like what you're looking back at you. Do what you've been taught. I love what he says, do what you've been taught. In chapter 3, Paul says, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. In verse 10, it says, in its place, clothe yourself with righteousness. Do what you've been taught. Paul says, put to death your sinful nature, but bring to life the righteous nature. Clothe yourself with righteousness. And so typically what we do is we start making a list. Okay, I won't do this, 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 or this, or this. I'm not even going to think about that stuff that I'm thinking about right now, not to do, but I'm just going to continue not thinking about the thing I shouldn't be doing. But I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about not thinking about it. That's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to think about not thinking about it because I'm going to think, I mean, we just go crazy, right, doing all that kind of stuff. I love what Paul says. Listen, you want to stop, you want to get out of that crazy rut? Start thinking the right way. Clothe yourself with righteousness, Remember, remember righteousness, love, joy, peace, tenderheartedness, all that stuff, right? I love what, what, what Jesus, he kind of narrows them all down. And Paul does here too. He says, listen, I'm going to make it super simple for you. Just love people. He says this, you can't love when you're focused on yourself. You're, you can't love when you're focused on your opinion. You can't love when you're focused on how it is you get something out of this world. You can't love. Paul says, get your eyes off yourself. Go do the work. Clothe yourself in rightness. How do you do that? Love. Remember the fruit of the Spirit? Remember we talked about that a few months ago, that the fruit of the Spirit, and we want to rattle off this big list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And we realize that fruit, the word fruit in that particular passage isn't plural, it's singular. In other words, the Bible says the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, manifesting itself joyfully, peacefully, kindly, patiently. Love, just love. Love people. What does that mean? Take our eyes off ourselves and love people. Paul says, just go do it. Go love somebody. That means forgive them. That means to care for their needs. That means to put yourself last. That means to wash their feet. Just love somebody. And here's the crazy thing. You know what happens when you do what you're supposed to do? It's is nuts. Confidence, peace, and focus on Jesus. It just happens. Paul sums it all up by saying, let thankfulness just flow out of you. You know, as I've been reading this particular passage, let thankfulness flow out of you. Here's the deal. When you're walking with confidence, peace, and focus on Jesus, y'all can't help it. Thankfulness just shows up. You start saying things like, God, you're good. Thank you for this. You're so amazing. Jesus, I know that's crummy, but thank you because I know you're going to show up in it. Oh, you start living a life that's filled with, it just overflows. Paul said, let it. So here's my question to you in closing today. Do you need to return to Jesus? You know you, right? Do you need to come back to Jesus? Do you need to return to him because your opinion on how to do it's gotten you off course? Do you need to return to Jesus? You know that because you're you're lacking confidence, peace and focus on Jesus. Maybe that's what you need today. Can we pray? Lord, you're so good. You are just so good. Not circumstantial, not because you just said so. You're just good. God, I pray this morning that my friends who are listening to me, God, here and those who are online, I just pray, God, that you, you'd help us just come back to you. How we get so caught off course. And our opinions on what's right and wrong and shouldas and couldas and wouldas man, they, just, they just throw us off Lord I pray today for the person who's here that feels like they've been thrown off course maybe that's you just between you and God you know you need to come to Jesus because you're lacking confidence, peace and your focus is just on you if, that, if that's you this morning I want you to just say Jesus forgive me forgive me Jesus I need you Say that just between you and him. Jesus, just forgive me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to say it to Jesus. Jesus, forgive me. I've been thrown off course and I need to return to you. Lord, forgive my crazy opinions. I want to return to you. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never even come to Jesus at once. You've, You've held him at an arm's length thinking, oh, those church people. And today, I'm not asking you to be a church people. I'm asking for you to surrender your life to Jesus, people. That you just say, Jesus, I give up. You got me. I I surrender it all. I surrender my life to you. Make of me what you want. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.